You're listening to the Kirk and Tillich Herald, a Cune Review recording service podcast, brought to you by our team of volunteers currently recording from their homes across Scotland. Whether you're listening via the BWBF online players, the telephone app, or our brand new Alexa skill, please phone us on 0141 772 3976 to feedback on what you want us to provide and improve upon. Please also join your family and friends in being our audio ambassadors and share our Facebook, Twitter and Instagram all at QNReview. That's at symbol C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. This week's Kirk and Tillich and Bishop Briggs Herald Talking Newspaper, brought to you by the team at QNReview, date 3rd of August 2022. Katie Shocked to Win Bronze An article written by Brian Yule and read by myself, Corey. Bishopbrig swimmer Katie Shanahan was overcome with emotion after claiming a shock bronze medal in the women's 400m individual medley at the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. Shanahan, still just 18, was making her first appearance on this stage. Produced by a blistering... 43937 to win an unlikely podium position from lane 1. It was the first time in two decades that Hannah Miley was not competing at the Commonwealth Games, and it was fitting that the two-time 400m medley champion was in the stands commentating. The loud crowd inside the Sandwell Aquatic Centre brought the best out of Shanahan, as she took the race on from the start. She settled into second place behind Canada's Summer McIntosh for most of the swim, before being taken over by Australia's Kaya Melverton on the last 50. The teenager dug in though, and held on for the bronze medal, and her first medal at senior international level. Miley's young successor was overcome with emotion and surprise, busting into tears following the race. Shanahan said, quote, After the race, I was emotional. I didn't believe it happened. To follow in Hannah's footsteps and follow what she achieved and her legacy at the Commonwealth Games, it's special. I know she was up there commentating. That was special. Shanahan was congratulated by Sports Scotland Chief Executive Stuart Harris. He said, A massive congratulations to Katie Shanahan, who has won the first medal for Scotland in the pool at this Commonwealth Games, taking home bronze. It was a remarkable effort from Katie, and the whole of Scotland is proud of her, her coaches, and the whole team at Scottish Swimming. Women's 400 metre Individual medley. 1. Summer Macintosh, Canada. 4 minutes, 29 seconds. 2. Kaya Melverton, Australia. 4. 36, 8. 3. Katie Shanahan, Scotland. 4. 39, 4. Fourth, Freya Colbert, England. 4398 5th Ella Jansen Canada 442 6 Jenna 
Forrester, Australia. 4418. 7th Maya Re, Rasmussen, New Zealand. 4418. 8th Tessa Chiblucha, Canada. 4.42.3 Shanahan was back in action in the women's 100m backstroke and earned safe passage through to the final where she finished in 8th place. That article was written by Brian Yule and read by myself, Corey. This Week in History, read to you by me, Ian McKenna. August 3rd, 1955, Samuel Beckett's now-acknowledged classic Waiting for Godot was performed for the first time in London at the Arts Theatre. The performance was punctuated throughout with the clatter of seats as half the audience walked out. On this day last year, the oldest family photograph taken at Stonehenge was found in the collection of Queen guitarist Brian May. August 4th, 1978, Jeremy Thorpe, a former leader of the Liberal Party, was charged with conspiracy to murder Mr Norman Scott. He was later cleared. August 5th, 1958, the nuclear-powered submarine Nautilus completed its historic journey under the North Pole. August 6th, 1962, Jamaica gained independence after being a British colony for more than 300 years. On this day last year, Virgin Galactic said it was on track to commence commercial space flights in 2022 with individual tickets available from US$450,000, £324,000. August 7th, 1957 Oliver Hardy, the comedian who, with his partner Stan Laurel, formed one of the most successful double acts of all time, died. August 8th, 1940 The Battle of Britain began on this day last year, more than one-fifth, 23%, of people said live streaming and music was the biggest support to their mental health through lockdown, new figures suggested. Council workers set to strike. Trade unions have warned waste could pile high in local authorities across Scotland, including Eastern Bartonshire, after three unions confirmed their members will walk out over a shameful pay offer. Council workers in the GMB unite and Unison across Scotland walk out over a 2% pay increase offered to them by COSLA, the body representing local authorities. Local schools will also be affected. GMB workers are set to strike in Eastern Bartonshire in waste and recycling, potentially leaving rubbish piling up in the streets if workers do not get a better offer. Unite also confirmed that their members in a number of Scottish councils will also go on strike and are finalising the strike dates in the coming week with action in refuse and waste services expected to begin in mid-August. Action specifically impacting local schools is expected to begin in early September. Joanna Baxter, Head of Local Government at Unison Scotland, told BBC Radio Scotland it's likely that schools would return from the holidays. It may be that we would then take action following their return. Bear in mind, these councils are some of the largest in Scotland. This is likely to affect hundreds of schools across the country. Members in all councils across Scotland voted to reject the pay offer of 
and secured turnouts surpassing the statutory 50% threshold required for public sector ballots. <coughs> Unison, along with Unite and GMB unions, who also represent council workers, have asked for a £3,000 increase and a £12 an hour rate as a minimum for all council workers. A Scottish Government spokesman, spokesman said, pay settlements for council workers, excluding teachers, are a matter for COSLA and are determined through negotiations at the Scottish Joint Committee, SJC. As it is not a member of the SJC, the Scottish Government cannot directly intervene in pay negotiations, which are for the trade unions to negotiate with COSLA. The Scottish Government urges all parties to continue dialogue and seek a resolution which avoids industrial action. Read by Alan Todd. £132,000 awarded to help tackle local nature issues, as recorded by Hunter MacDonald. Projects in Eastern Berkshire have been awarded £132,000 by the Scottish Government to help tackle the nature emergency. The Scottish Greens say the investment is part of the latest funding round of the £65 million Nature Restoration Fund, which was secured by them last year. It will support Eastern Berkshire Council and local communities to deliver projects which support habitat and species restoration, freshwater restoration and removal of non-native species. Ross Greer, Green MSP for the West of Scotland, said Scotland is world-renowned for our natural environment, wildlife and plant life. But with one in nine Scottish species in danger of extinction, it's clear we're in a nature emergency that needs an immediate response. That's exactly why the Greens deliver this nature restoration fund. Investment in projects across Eastern Bartonshire will make a huge difference to both their natural environment and the local communities who live and work in it. That's why Greens in government are putting more money into nature restoration and biodiversity than ever before. This £132,000 is just one part of the story. I'm excited to see the progress we'll be able to over these critical next few years. This funding round made awards to 46 different projects from across the country to protect Scotland's species, woodlands, rivers and seas and improve health and well-being. Tories silence over cost crisis. Eastern Bartonshire MP Amy Callaghan has slammed the Tory leadership candidates for their silence on the cost of living crisis. This comes as a new report from Citizens Advice Scotland underlines the struggles households across Scotland are facing, revealing that the need for food banks has grown by almost a third, 31%, since September 2021. The report calls on the UK government to immediately operate universal credit and all legacy benefits a suspension of sanctions, scrapping the benefit cap and the two-child limit, pausing the collection of all DWP and HMRC debts and converting all advance payments at the beginning of universal credit claims into non-repayable assessment period grants. Speaking following the release of the report, Amy Callaghan MP said the Scottish Government was making a real difference to those struggling with the cost of living crisis through actions such as uprating devolved benefits and introducing the game-changing Scottish child payment, but claimed that the progress was being undermined by decades of Westminster austerity policies 
and Tory leadership candidates ignoring the scale of the problem? Ms Callaghan said, It's awful to see such a sharp increase in food bank use in a country as wealthy as Scotland. Yet, sadly, it's not surprising that families in Eastern Bartonshire are struggling to get by, as prices continue to rise while Westminster fails to take any meaningful action to help. Money advice. ASDA has launched an online money-saving advice hub to help cash-strapped parents struggling with the cost of living crisis this summer. ASDA's Essential Living Hub is a one-stop website where customers can access a wide range of hints, tips and hacks which go beyond the weekly food shop covering how to save energy, budget better, buy and cook smarter, entertain the kids for free and even eat out without paying a penny. The hub follows the launch of Just Essentials, a new range of almost 300 budget-friendly products in all categories of the store, including fresh fruit and vegetables, fresh meat, fish and poultry, designed to help customers enjoy nutritious food on a budget. Children aged 16 and under can eat for just a pound in Asda cafes across the country until the end of this month. Top 5 are shortlisted. Local MP Amy Callahan has congratulated the five shortlisted businesses in her inaugural Eastern Bartonshire Hospitality Awards. Popular venues Billington's of Lindsay, Café Alba, Milgay, Helmy's of Bearsden, Melts of Milgay and the Honeybee Bakery, Milgay came through a crowded field of nearly 50 local businesses. More than 700 members of the public scored the businesses across the five criteria, including customer service, accessibility, quality of product, value for money, and overall experience, with the shortlisted businesses scoring a combined 5,570 points. Ms Callahan is encouraging locals to visit her website and vote for their favourite business from the shortlist before August the 4th, with the winner announced shortly after the vote closes. The local MP will now visit each shortlisted business over the next few weeks, and for every visit she has pledged to donate a bag of food to Eastern Bartonshire Food Bank. Throughout the awards, the Eastern Bartonshire MP has talked about the struggles facing local communities resulting from the cost of living crisis, and she is she's keen to stress that she, the awards are not just about supporting the hospitality industry, but about supporting the community as a whole. Initiatives like local awards will be welcomed by the hospitality industry following a turbulent few years due to the pandemic, with the Fraser of Allender Institute reporting that 70% of hospitality businesses experienced lower turnout during this period, compared to 45% of businesses in other sectors. Ms Callahan said, A massive congratulations to the five final businesses. It was a strong field of 50 amazing restaurants, cafes, takeaways and hotels and it speaks volumes to the strength of our local hospitality sector. I'm asking you to pop across to my website one last time and vote for your favourite business from the shortlist. The businesses with the highest votes by the 4th of August will be crowned the winner of the first ever Eastern Bartonshire Hospitality Awards. Before you vote, and if you're able, why not drop by some of the shortlisted businesses and see what they've got to offer. Good luck to the five shortlisted businesses. New factory proposal. A former steelworks site in Gapkosh could get a new lease of life if councillors approve proposals for a new factory and offices. Guala Closures, a bottle cap manufacturer, 
has applied to North Lanarkshire Council for permission to build a new factory and offices on vacant land to the north of Craignethan Drive. The location was part of the Garkosh Steelworks, which closed in the 1980s and has been designated as suitable for a business development. A supporting statement accompanying the application claims this factory could create around 400 jobs. <clears throat> a section of this statement reads, This site is predominantly open and reasonably level with a slight rise in the centre of the site. There is good access to the site as it is bounded on three sides by roads with the M73 to the west, All Judge Roads to the northeast, and Craignethan Road to the southeast. The fourth boundary is as yet undeveloped land that is also marked for future business development. As such, the site is an ideal location for an industrial facility and we anticipate that the local authority would be supportive of development for a piece of land which has lain vacant since the 1980s. While the majority of the adjacent land has not yet been developed, there are two recently completed buildings, an industrial unit to the northeast and the Scottish Crime Campus to the south of the site. Both of these buildings are contemporary in design, with the industrial unit representing a contemporary industrial aesthetic and the crime campus representing a modern office style. We therefore feel a similar response to the application site would be appropriate. At time of writing, no, no comments had been published on the Council website, where the relevant documents can be found using the reference number 22-00836-FUL. The Herald reported in April how more than 160 workers at Guala Closures Group's site at Old Mill Park Industrial Estate Factory in Kirkintillich found themselves facing an uncertain future after the company revealed plans to relocate to Garkosh. Women seriously injured. Two teenagers aged 16 and 17 have been charged in connection with an alleged serious assault on a woman in Kirkintillich. The 41-year-old victim was taken to hospital following the incident at a home in the Townhead area. Paramedics attended following reports that a woman was injured within the property. Her condition at Glasgow Royal Infirmary was described as serious. A Police Scotland statement said two male youths have been arrested and charged in connection with a serious assault on a woman in Kirkintillich. The incident happened around 11.55pm on Thursday the 21st of July at Townhead in the town. A 41-year-old woman was taken to Glasgow Royal Infirmary for treatment to a serious injury. The two males, 17 and 16, have been charged with a number of offences. They are expected to appear at Glasgow Sheriff Court at a later date. Campaigners hit out at Planter Hazard. Article by Neil McGrory. Read today by myself, Georgina. Visually impaired people say a new set of planters in Townhead at Kirkintillich present yet another hazard making it harder to safely get around. The ornamental feature was installed a few weeks ago on the route to the Sainsbury's supermarket. It has been the subject of complaints from local disability campaigners. Sandy Taylor of Eastern Bartonshire Visually Impaired People's Forum, EDVIP, explained, quote, To many they will be seen as a welcome attraction. However, once again, blind, visually impaired and other disabled people have failed to be consulted, and with no thought or concern for their safety, they are yet another hazard which has to be avoided. End quote. The planter area includes tree branches below head height, 
and benches without arm or back rests, and also lacking heel rests, which would help long cane users avoid walking into them. EDVIP say these problems could have been avoided had local community council Yorkirky, which donated the planters, consulted with them. Yorkirky chairman Nigel Rook said, quote, We welcome feedback on all our initiatives. As a volunteer-led organization, we try our best to take all views into account. Please rest assured any feedback is used to help inform ongoing plans to improve Kirkentillic Town Centre, working with a wide range of partners. End quote. Eastern Barnshire Council confirmed it had no involvement in this issue, as the site is owned by Sainsbury's. A Sainsbury's spokesperson said, quote, we have listened to the concerns Eastern Barnshire Visually Impaired People's Forum have raised about the new planters and benches outside our Kirkentillic Superstore. We will work with the council to ensure they are addressed. We would like to apologise for any inconvenience our customers may have experienced since they were installed. End quote. Sandy Taylor of EDVIP, who is registered blind, is pictured beside the planter at Sainsbury's, which is making life difficult for local people with disabilities. The aims of EDVIP are to empower visually impaired people to achieve their maximum level of personal independence. Article by Neil McGrory Vote for Parklife Alan Smith MP is encouraging support for Mugdog Country Park as the UK's favourite in a nationwide public vote organised by green space charity Fields and Trust. The parklife is one of Scotland's most popular visitor attractions with figures from Stirling Council boasting around 600,000 visitors per year. Spread over the boundaries of Stirling and Eastern Bartonshire, the park has a long, proud history and hosts several outdoor activities, including walking, hiking, trails, horse riding, archery and more. Research by Fields and Trust found that around 2.8 million people across Great Britain live more than a 10-minute walk from their nearest park or green space. The situation could get worse with a risk that the lack of legal protection could lead to more green spaces being sold off or developed. The public online vote closes at noon on Thursday the 18th of August 2022, with the four home nation winners shortlisted before Fields and Trust announce the UK's favourite park 2022. In addition, any park within the top 20% of votes will receive recognition as a local favourite. Mr Smith said, Stirling enjoys some of the finest natural beauty and heritage in all of Scotland. I'm delighted to see Mugduck Country Park nominated for such a prestigious award. The past few years really have brought home the great attractions we have on our doorsteps. Our local parks have acted as a sanctuary for so many residents and visitors through tough times. I wish the park and community the very best of luck and hope to visit again very soon. Fields and Trust Chief Executive Helen Griffiths added, Our nation's parks have been so important during the pandemic and it is vital that we celebrate them to help ensure they are protected for future generations. Our children and grandchildren deserve to have the same access to green space that we do. This is a significant moment to change the way we think about the contribution local green spaces make to our health, our well-being, our environment and ultimately our futures. Faced Woods Crime Writers an international crime writing festival is seeking aspiring authors to enter a contest. 
Bloody Scotland, sponsored by the Open University, is inviting budding crime writers to enter their Pitch Perfect event, which was first launched back in 2012. A book by its first winner, Joseph Knox, went on to be a Sunday Times bestseller. A person from the festival said, Everyone who has won the prize has been picked up by an agent and most have had books published, as have many of the other Pitch Perfect participants. This year the festival would like to encourage aspiring authors from diverse backgrounds to apply. If book festivals are to become more diverse, we need more diverse crime writers in the first place. Pitch Perfect is a great place to start. He added, in the interest of inclusivity, a number of the pitchers will have the option to pitch online. For more information on how to apply, visit www.bloodyscotland.com. In Parliament and online, Politics at Heart of this Festival, report by Julie Curry. Scotland's Festival of Politics is making a welcome return to the Parliament building in Edinburgh this year, being staged both in person and online from August 11th to 13th. Held in partnership with Scotland's Futures Forum, the public is invited to take part in three days of debate. Talking about some of the issues that matter most to people in Scotland, Events will be staged in the iconic surroundings of the Scottish Parliament in Edinburgh. However, online events mean that people in every corner of Scotland have a chance to join the debates. Among the issues being discussed are the State of the UK Union, the cost of living crisis, climate, migration and equality. Along with panels of distinguished guests, you can share your own experiences and ask questions. Presiding Officer Alison Johnson said, I'm delighted that we're back in person at Hollywood for this, our 18th Festival of Politics. We present a programme of free and paid-for events that aim to inspire and engage people across a range of topics. From end-of-life choices to the cost of living crisis, the festival offers a safe and informed space to discuss and deliberate. Whether it's a spirited debate or the free programme of live music and exhibitions in the Festival Cafe Bar, you're assured of a warm welcome at your Scottish Parliament. The festival programme will kick off on Thursday, August 11th with a particularly emotional subject, End of Life Choices, Personal is Political, from 10.30am till noon. Tickets are priced £6, £4 concessions. Another meaty topic for the first day of the event, Prostitution. The buyers and sellers will run from 12.30pm to 2pm, with tickets also priced £6, £4 concessions. A free online event which is likely to stimulate much debate in towns across Scotland, Whose Town Is It Anyway?, will be live from 12.30pm to 1.30pm. Supported by the cross-party group on towns and town centres, among the panellists is Phil Prentice, Chief Officer of Scotland's Towns Partnership, who has 25 years economic development experience across public and private sectors. Phil said, Scotland's Towns and Partnership is delighted to be participating in the Festival of Politics 2022. Whose town is it anyway? We'll explore who holds the power in town centres. Is it the developer, the chain stores or the investors? What about the community and independent retailers? The event, cleared by MSB Siobhan Brown, will also debate how we build in climate, wellbeing and social inclusion across Scotland's town centres. A topical debate Solving the Global Cross of Living Crisis runs from 5pm to 6.30pm. 
and the festival's first day will close with an in-conversation with Professor A.C. Grayling from 6pm to 7.30pm, with a ticket priced at £8, £6 concessions. The Professor will discuss the three most urgent challenges facing the world, climate change, technology and justice. Topical exhibits The Festival Café Bar and three exhibitions are free to access for the duration of the event. Cubes of Perpetual Light in the Members' Garden is an installation centred on sustainability and the concept of sow, grow and share. Portraits of a LGBTI plus generation showcases 10 portraits and videos featuring members of the National Theatre of Scotland's LGBTI plus social dance club. And the World Press Photo is a photojournalism ex- exhibition showcasing over 120 images illustrating some of the major issues facing the world today, from climate to civil rights. For the full festival programme, visit www.festivalofpolitics.scot Groups should apply now for flight path funds. Local groups, charities and clubs are being invited to submit applications for airport flight path funding. Almost £100,000 has been earmarked for groups and activities in the area as a result of its proximity to Glasgow Airport. So far, a total of £52,000 from the Glasgow Airport Flight Path Fund has been awarded to 39 groups, clubs and charities local to the airport. The custodians of the fund are now asking more to come forward and apply for financial support. They are keen to hear from and support sustainability-themed projects aimed at improving the environment in the communities local to the airport. Archie Hunter, chair of the Flight Path Fund, said, We have received a wealth of applications from across the many communities around the airport which support a wide and varied range of great causes. Whether you are a part of an established club or group or are looking for financial support to get a community or sustainably themed project off the ground, we want to hear from you. Since 2011, the Flight Path Fund has awarded more than £1.7 million to over 700 clubs, groups and community organisations. Ronald Leach, Operations Director at Glasgow Airport, said, Being a good neighbour and actively supporting the communities we serve have always been key priorities for Glasgow Airport. I was really pleased to see the return of the Flight Path Fund after what has been a hugely challenging period for the airport and the wider industry doing what it does best supporting a diverse range of charities, clubs and local groups in need. The Flight Path Funds Committee, which includes elected representatives from each of the four local authorities bordering Glasgow Airport, meets regularly throughout the year to consider applications. Eastern Bartonshire's new deputy lead, Callum Smith, is on the committee, along with Councillor June Mackay from Western Bartonshire Council and Councillor Anne McTaggart from Glasgow City Council. Applications to the Flight Path Fund should be sent in at least three weeks prior to the next committee meeting on September 16th. Visit www.glasgowairport.com forward slash community. Gift Card Boost Letters have been sent out to the 85,000 homes across Glasgow which are eligible for £105 gift cards. Glasgow City Council is providing the cards to support lower income households during the cost of living crisis and also hopes to boost firms recovering from the pandemic by ensuring money is reinvested locally. 
Households in receipt of council tax reduction as of June the 1st, 2022 are being urged to watch out for the envelopes branded with Love Local, Love Glasgow. The letters will contain details on how to use the gift cards, including a unique activation code when they are delivered to homes in mid-August. Council leader Susan Aitken said, The 85,000 cards we'll soon be sending out will secure a double benefit for communities across Scotland. For more on the gift cards, visit www.glasgow.gov.uk forward slash loves local. Scottish pupils, support at hand for exam results. Report by Julie Curry. Scottish pupils are set to receive their full higher national and advanced results next Tuesday, August the 9th. Approximately 142,000 pupils, along with their parents and carers, will be able to get support with the results through a dedicated helpline offering impartial career advice set up by Skills Development Scotland, SDS. Now in its 30th year, the SDS helpline 0808-100-8000 will once again be staffed by more than 50 expert career, careers advisors and will be live for over a week from 8am on Tuesday, August 9th to assist anyone that needs help with their options and next steps. Education Secretary Shirley Ann Somerville said, The SDS Results Helpline offers an excellent source of advice, information and guidance and I would encourage young people and their parents and carers to use this valuable resource if they have questions about next steps and options or if they just need some reassurance. The helpline advisors are extremely knowledgeable and keen to help. SDS careers advisors will be on hand to offer advice about UK colleges and universities, confirmation and clearing, apprenticeships, jobs or even volunteering. Sharon McIntyre, Head of Career Information at the National Skills Agency, said We know that receiving results has been a very different experience for young people and their families over the last couple of years and... Although a sense of normality prevails, there is still a lot of anxiety and uncertainty at this time for pupils, parents and carers. It's important to reassure people that whatever their results are, our advisors are there to provide support and expert advice on their many options, no matter where they are in Scotland. Connect, a Scottish organisation that works to ensure parents play a clear role in education, also urge people to phone the, the, the SDS helpline. Newly appointed executive Patrick McGlinches added, Results Day can bring on a roller coaster of emotions. The opportunity to speak with someone who is impartial and knowledgeable is so valuable. In addition to the dedicated helpline, which runs until August the 17th, young people and their parents or carers can also visit their local SDS centre. To find your local office, visit www.myworldofwork.co.uk slash centres. Preemptive felling will help save our larch trees. Report by Julie Curry. Forestry and Land Scotland is stepping up its efforts to help save larch trees in Scotland. FLS hopes to get on the front foot in slowing the spread of the larch killing disease Phytophthora ramorum. First confirmed in Scotland in 2010, the fungus-like pathogen can affect Japanese, European and hybrid larch. Over the past 10 years, control measures have involved felling millions of trees across the country. 
Planning more preemptive felling in key areas before the disease strikes will help to create breaks in the pathogen's path. Graham Prest, FLS Land Management Director, said, With no known cure and eradication of the disease considered to be unachievable, the only available countermeasure is to slow the pathogen spread by felling. Previously, we have been waiting until the disease arrives at a location and then have responded to the statutory plant health notice that requires us to fell infected and at-risk trees. A reactive approach puts a fairly hefty spanner in the works of our normal work programmes. We have to stop planned harvesting works, move people and machinery, deal with the diseased crop and also replan the work that we would normally be doing. This new approach allows us to get more on the front foot and build disease management to our annual felling programmes, making the effort to tackle the disease more cost-efficient, manageable and sustainable. From its locus in southwest Scotland, the disease has spread aggressively up the west coast of the country, where FLS land can be steep, rocky and often difficult to access. Including road construction and preemptive felling of large and day-to-day work plans will not only help to further slow the spread of the disease, but will also help FLS to manage the cost and resource burden. The disease risk is greatest in the west of Scotland. Although present elsewhere, the level of risk steadily diminishes towards the east. Graham added, We are adopting this new approach proportionately with those in risk zones to give larch in Scotland more of a fighting chance of surviving. We will plant a variety of species to replace the larch that are felled to minimise as much as we can the impact of their loss in the landscape. And that was a report by Julie Curry. Opinion the Kirky Herald Letters page. Let's talk. Please send your letters via email to kirkyherald at gnscotland.co.uk. Very happy to see the return of lights at Hairbrain's shared space junction in Kirkintilloch. Sir, like many, I was delighted when I heard recently that Eastern Berkshire Council have finally seen common sense and decided to reinstall a set of traffic lights at the shared space junction where Kerr Street and Catherine Street meet at the main street in Kirkintilloch. It's just such a pity that the councillors who were in office 67 years ago did not see sense. They completely disregarded the views of the local public, the vast majority of whom were against the removal of the previous lights. The long queues of traffic that used to build up at those lights in busy times could be a bit irksome for sure, but at least drivers knew when they could proceed and when they had to wait. Confusion I have seen, over the past few years, the amount of confusion the shared space scheme is causing to so to many road users, as there is no clear right of way for any stream of traffic at any one time. The result is, many people, myself included, have no idea when it is and is not safe to proceed. It was fantasy world thinking on the part of the council administration, in power at the time, that such a scheme would be safe in the middle of such a busy main street. I can only hope that the current and future EDC administrations will learn from this episode and are dissuaded from implementing any similarly hairbrained schemes in Kirkintilloch and elsewhere in the years to come. Yours etc. David M. Porter, Lindsay, Kirkintilloch. Pavement car disgrace. Sir, the misuse of our pavements by drivers who park their cars on them is a disgrace. These drivers show total disregard towards pedestrian safety as they force them to go into the road due to the cars blocking them. I'm a mobility scooter user 
and I find it's a total nightmare trying to get around these days due to illegal parking. Just recently I encountered an extremely large caravan fully mounted on the pavement and because of the curb height I just couldn't get off of the pavement. I had to struggle back to find a low curb, go into the road and then look for another curb, low curb to get back onto the safety of the pavement. As you can imagine, this is a usual, although should be an unnecessary procedure, I have to endure every time I venture out. I'm sure other disabled people experience the same problem. As far as I know, it has always been an offence to block the pavements with anything, especially motors. The pavements are in a mess as it is, but they can, they can and will only get worse due to cars driving and parking on them. Perhaps it's time to increase the tax motorists pay to fund pavement damage. The authorities seem to just have turned a blind eye to this selfish practice. In other countries, they install bollards. Hedges bulging over pavements are also a problem. Local councils used to act as if a hedge or any other shrubs were overgrown, but alas, that doesn't appear to be the case now. Yours, etc. Miss Smart, Milton of Campsie. A colonial appendage, sir. The antonym of independence is dependence. Who wants to be classed as a substitute jock? I, for one, do not. If Scotland is costing the English taxpayers so much, £15 billion per annum, why are they not throwing us our independence papers over Hadrian's Wall? Were Scotland to vote for independence, it would be the richest country ever to do so. Pre-pandemic, Scotland's GDP per head was in a par with England, and some years higher. We are bombarded with the better together dictum, which begs the question, better for whom? Better for the coercive, controlling Westminster, which treats Scotland like a colonial appendage draining us of our wealth of natural resources and talent? We're seeing long traffic queues in Kent, yet this dysfunctional London government tries to blame the French. Brexit has put a hard border, not only down the middle of the Irish Sea, but also in the middle of the English Channel. Scotland needs to restart ferries to the low countries to bypass this bottleneck. Where is our self-esteem? Where is our self-respect? Scotland and England can live as good neighbours, in charge of our own affairs, as is normal with neighbours. Yours etc. D.W. Loudon, by email. Reader's Charter This newspaper is built in a tradition of accuracy and fairness, giving you the information you need to understand our world holding power to account and exposing injustice. Our trusted brand means we're the only place where you can read and participate in the honest debates. We are committed to giving a voice to those who struggle to be heard, as well as those whose profession is crafting an argument. Our Reader's Charter spells out our commitment to you. You can read the charter online at kirkyherald at jnscotland.co.uk Dementia is still one of our biggest killers. Report by Julie Curry. Alzheimer's disease and other dementias in Scotland in 2021 recorded a 5% decrease, 306 deaths, in comparison to 2020. According to new figures from National Records of Scotland, two-thirds of those who died were women. There were 4,060, 67%, female deaths and 1,986 male deaths. Julie Ramsey, NRS Vital Event Statistician said, The rate of mortality caused by Alzheimer's disease and other dementias was 117 deaths per 100,000 people in 2021. 
This makes these conditions one of the highest causes of death in Scotland, with a mortality rate similar to coronary heart disease, 126 deaths per 100,000 in 2020. While this year's mortality rate is a statistically significant decrease from 125 deaths per 100,000 in 2020, the current rate of death is more than twice as high as it was in 2000, 56 deaths per 100,000. Death caused by Alzheimer's disease and other dementias were 1.3 times as likely to occur in the most deprived areas of Scotland compared to the least deprived areas. After adjusting for age, the mortality rate for deaths caused by Alzheimer's disease and other dementias was highest in the Lanarkshire, Greater Glasgow and Forth Valley areas. With an ageing population and more people living with dementia than in the past, Age Scotland are calling for a focus on diagnosis, increased preventive care and enhanced community-led support for people living with dementia to improve outcomes and quality of life for those affected. Kendi Manji, Age Scotland's Head of Dementia, said We welcome the fallen deaths as positive news following the pandemic. However, these figures reinforce the fact Alzheimer's and other types of dementia are one of the highest causes of death in Scotland, particularly for women. The new National Care Service will be crucial in ensuring that people living with dementia can be diagnosed early, receive appropriate post-diagnostic support and access appropriate preventative social care, including through community-based activities and services that can help them live well with dementia. Online Safety Bill must be a priority. More than 100 online sex crimes will take place against children in Scotland every month the online safety bill is delayed. The NSPCC's analysis of Police Scotland crime data found that online child sexual abuse offences had more than doubled over the last decade. In the year to March, 1,298 indecent image offences and crimes of communicating indecently with a child were logged, up from 543 just 10 years ago. The NSPCC said the growth in crimes and the scale of abuse against children should serve as a wake-up call for the next UK Prime Minister to make the online safety bill a national priority. Further delays will only see more children being groomed on their smartphones and tablets and coerced into acts of online sexual abuse in their bedrooms. Due to pass through the House of Commons last week, the landmark online safety bill was postponed until the autumn when a new Prime Minister will be in place. The NSPCC first secured the commitment to regulate social media four years ago in a bid to combat the inaction of Silicon Valley to abuse taking place on its platforms. The legislation would put a duty of care on companies to put measures in place to prevent and disrupt child abuse on their sites. Sir Peter Wanless, NSPCC Chief Executive, said with every second the clock ticks by on the online safety bill, and on an ever-growing number of children and families face the unimaginable trauma of preventable child abuse. The need for legislation to protect, protect children is clear and commands overwhelming support from MPs and the public. SOS for SEALs at SSPCA Wildlife Centre The SSPCA has issued an urgent SOS which also stands for Save Our Seals. The charity's National Wildlife Rescue Centre would normally be caring for as many as 40 seals at any one time. 
However, after a breakdown in the equipment it uses, the SSPCA has issued an appeal to the public for help. A spokeswoman said, quote, Vital equipment that pumps clean water to our pools has broken down, meaning we can no longer provide the very best level of care and support that the seals, waterfowl and seabirds in our care need to survive. It is a devastating position to be in, and without rebuilding our water filtration system, we will have to stop treating these animals, meaning many that we could have saved will die. The system will cost over £600,000 to replace, so any donation, big or small, will help. We urgently need support and will be grateful for any gift you can offer. Your contribution will have a transformative impact, ensuring we can install our water filtration facility and continue to save the lives of wild animals in Scotland. End quote. Readers can donate today to help save the seals by visiting https slash bit.ly slash 3jctsxw. Purpose built in 2012 to deal with the growing number of wildlife the SSPCA helps, the National Wildlife Rescue Centre now treats about 10,000 wild animals every year. From pigeons to peregrines, and seals to swans, the centre and its expert wildlife team are equipped to treat thousands of animals at any given time. To find out more about the centre and how you can help support animals, visit www.scottishspca.org. Woodlands role in net zero goal. A new report analysing CO2 uptake by forestry shows that a diverse range of woods can all make a significant contribution over a 100-year period. In the shorter term, of around 30 years, faster-growing conifer plantations soak up the highest levels of CO2. Over a longer period, native broadleaves and naturally regenerated woodlands start to achieve comparable levels. Twelve different types of woodlands were analysed in this new research, produced by the Forestry Research Agency, and thought to be the most definitive of its kind in the UK. Environment Minister Marie McAllen said, In Scotland, we have an ambitious commitment to reach net zero by 2045. Expanding our forests and woodlands is key to achieving this, as these trees will soak up harmful CO2 from the atmosphere. Currently, Scotland's trees are sequestering 7.6 million tonnes of CO2 each year, the equivalent of 14% of our gross greenhouse gas emissions. This demonstrates clearly how important our woodland expansion, expansion plans are in fighting climate change. Our forests and woodlands are also vital in tackling another global crisis. Our woodlands are helping many forms of biodiversity thrive and are therefore crucial in helping the reverse of damaging effects of nature loss. This is why the Scottish Government is striving to create a balance of different types of woodlands. In this way we can tackle these twin global crises and, at the same time, provide other important benefits to communities and the economy. We need to fully understand the most up-to-date evidence on how we can get the best out of our forests for the future. This new piece of research will be of great benefit to help foresters do just that. The woodland options in the report show that planting a hectare of lightly managed broadleaf woodland would result in an average CO2 uptake of 1.3 tonnes CO2 per year until 2050 
A hectare of moderately growing coniferous woodland would soak up about 4.9 tonnes CO2 per year for the same period. A fuller assessment report will be released later in 2022 and Scottish forestry and forest research plans to hold stakeholder events to share and explain the findings in more depth. £400 to help with rising energy bills. Details on how households will receive £400 to help with rising energy bills this autumn have been announced by the UK government. There will be a discount of £66 applied to bills in October and November and £67 a month from December to March 2023. How the money is received will depend on how people pay their bills and some may receive vouchers via text, email or in the post. Advice Direct Scotland, which runs Scotland's National Energy Advice Service, energyadvice.scot, has urged Scots to check to receive the money and look out for the correspondence from their supplier. The Advice Service has also reminded Scots that no household will be asked for their bank details. All households are eligible for £400, regardless of income. Connor Forbes, Advice Direct's Head of Policy, said, it's vital households don't miss out on these payments. District news, churches. Springfield Cambridge Church. Morning worship on Sunday, August the 7th will be led by Reverend Ian Taylor and Reverend Edson Decay de Castro at 11am in the sanctuary. The summer Sunday school will meet in room 2. The creche will be happy to look after your child, burst the three years, in room 2. Morning Worship is also being live-streamed on the Springfield Cambridge Church YouTube channel. A link to this can be found on the Springfield Cambridge Church website www.springfieldcambridge.org.uk and Facebook page where up-to-date information about events and church organisations can also be found. Tea and coffee is available after the service in the Cameron Hall. Come along and enjoy the fellowship. There will be a vestry hour on Wednesday, August the 3rd, from 10am to 11am. There will be a short weekly service of worship in the Springfield Chapel on Wednesday, August the 3rd, from 11.10am to 11.30am. Kirkintillos Church of God The usual Sunday Good News service at Regent Hall, Regent Street, has been postponed for the time being. We are still continuing our Zoom services on Sunday evenings at 6.30pm. The speaker this Sunday will be Stephen McCabe from Belfast. A warm welcome to everyone who is able to join us on Zoom. Access details for the stream can be obtained by emailing hello at regenthall.org. For up-to-date and further information on our services, visit our website on www.regenthall.org. The Bible says, Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 and 5 Came your parish church. We look forward to John Anderson and Margaret Russell to lead our worship this Sunday, beginning at 11am. The service will be followed by a time of fellowship, teas and coffees in the hall. The wearing of masks will be used to personal choice throughout the sanctuary. The service will be live-streamed on YouTube and can be found by searching for Ken Muir Bishop Briggs. Details of all our groups that are currently running may be found on the website kenmuir-church.co.uk 
To find us on Facebook, just search for Kim Your Parish Church. If you would like to join our WhatsApp group or receive the Bible studies from ABC, then email us at kimyourchurch at icloud.com. St David's Memorial Park Church At St David's Memorial Park Church, our morning service on August the 7th will be at our usual time of 10.30am and will be led by our Church of Scotland reader, John Nicholson. During our morning worship, school-aged children will have the opportunity to go through to our halls for their own time of fun and learning with jam. All are welcome to attend our service. There are some COVID measures still in place, however. The wearing of face masks is not mandatory at this time. We look forward to welcoming you to the church. Our Tuesday lunchtime services have now come to an end until after the summer months. Further information on when these will resume will be given at a later date. Torrens Parish Church You are assured of a warm welcome at our morning service at 10.30am and during the school holidays there will be a holiday Sunday school. The cafe is closed and will reopen at 9am on Wednesday, August the 17th. Our Jungle Adventure Holiday Club will start on Monday, August the 8th to Friday, August the 12th from 10am till noon and registration is via www.eventbrite.co.uk slash e slash jungle hyphen adventure or contact office at tpc.org.uk for a registration form. To join the service online, go to torrensparishchurch.online.church To find out what's on, check the website at www.tpc.org.uk Lindsay Union Parish Church Recycling sale on Saturday, August 27th from 10am to 2pm Raise funds for yourself or a charity Save the environment and avoid landfill Table swap sales £15 per table Proceeds from the table hire will go to First Lindsay Boys Brigade and Girls Brigade To book a 6 foot table email omalidom at yahoo.co.uk Summer Youth Nights on August the 10th and August the 11th for S1 to S6 pupils, 7.30 to 9pm in Lindsay Union New Hall. Games, food and activities. To, to book your place, email youthworker at lupc.org. Jungle Adventure Holiday Club on August 11th and August the 12th for children in primary 1 to 7 from 2pm to 4pm in Lindsay Union Halls and Garden. Space is still available to book your place. Email youthworker at lupc.org. Lindsay Church of Scotland Joint Summer Services. Sunday worship on August the 7th will be at Lindsay Union Parish Church, led by the Reverend Dan Carmichael. All services start at 11am. Colton Wellpack Church. Welcome to our morning service this Sunday starting at 11am. Tea and coffee served in hall after the service. During the summer break, the food bank remains open every Monday and Friday from 2pm to 4pm. The Bible study continues this Wednesday in the hall at 7.30pm to 9pm. All organisations and groups are closed for the summer and hopefully we'll be restarting the new session at the end of August slash September. Follow our services on Facebook 
at Colstonwell Park Parish Church. And if you require further information on any of our church activities, please contact Leslie Grieve on 07813-255-052. Milton of Campsey Church. We're back in the building, no need to book. If you sit in the centre aisle, there's no need to wear a mask. If you sit in the side aisles, please wear one. Next Sunday, we continue with action stations and also launch our very own action station, Go Mad! Since Paul travelled by sea, send us a pick of yourself in a ship or boat. The phone number for a dial-in service which enables you to hear Sunday service. Just dial 01360 545 345. Time to pray does not meet until August the 17th, but please continue to pray at home. The Go Mad Prayer Guide is now available. Here is our programme. Municipal Holiday Club, 10am till noon for children of all ages in the MOC Church Centre. Municipal Games, 2-3pm for children of all ages in Battlefield Park. 7-Up Youth Cafe, 7pm to 8.30pm for Primary 7 to S6 meeting in Battlefield Park. Boas, bit of a sing. 8pm to 9pm, Campsie Church, Lennox Town. Sundown service, 9.15pm to 9.35pm in NLC Church Centre, followed by tea and coffee. Other events, Sunday, August the 7th, service at 11am, all day prayer journey for all ages, Lion Trail at 3pm, songs of praise at 4.30pm, bring your own picnic, tea, tea's pr- drinks provided. Thursday, August 11th, charity concert at 7pm, Milton of Campsie Church Centre, followed by tea and coffee. URAID, our Ukrainian family have now arrived. See the URAID donation box in the church. We're also exploring other ways of helping. If you'd like to be involved, contact Phyllis on 07582 413 463. St James Church, Hilton Road, Bishop Briggs. Rector, the Reverend Paul Watson, 0141-230-4080 The church is now open for socially distanced services. Face masks are personal choice. This Thursday at 11am and on Sunday at 9am and at 10.30am. Everyone is welcome to come along to any of these services. Do stay on for tea or coffee and fellowship afterwards. On Sunday, August the 7th, from 3pm to 4pm, there is a session of Crafty Kids in the church hall. All families are very welcome to come along and enjoy activities together. The meditation lab- labyrinth is still available in the car park for a mindful walk round. There are also other s- virtual services and groups. District News General Holyrood Voice Climate Change Requires Action Now by Ross Greer, MSP the last two weeks saw record temperatures across the UK and Europe. Thousands of people from England to Portugal have been forced to flee their homes due to fires. Similar heat waves have hit parts of Africa, Asia and South America. This shouldn't be normal, but, unfortunately, extreme heat during the summer will be our new normal. In fact, 
This may end up being one of the coolest summers of the rest of our lives. This is the effect of 1.1 degrees of global warming, but we're currently on track for around 3 degrees. And the worst impacts are already being felt by most by the world's poorest and vulnerable communities. We can make our individual lives, but we cannot let people who are caused this crisis trick us into thinking that these kinds of changes will be enough, or that we all share equal responsibility for climate breakdown. The heaviest lifting must come from fossil fuel corporations who are doing so much damage and the government's allowing them to do so. Almost three quarters of all global emissions come from just a hundred companies. With Greens in government here in Scotland, we are delivering some of the most far-reaching and comprehensive climate action on these islands. In the last year, we have delivered record funding for recycling, renewables and active travel, while committing £5 billion to maintaining, improving and decarbonising Scotland's railways. This is a record I am proud of. It has been delivered despite a punishing real terms budget cut of more than 5% from Westminster. If remains, the sort of ambition and delivery that we need to see from all governments. Despite the very immediate threat, neither of the candidates to replace Boris Johnson seem to be taking this crisis remotely seriously. Neither has anything meaningful to say about how they will build and invest in the alternative green industries of the future. Instead, it's the usual failed agenda of tax cuts for the rich and cuts to public services for the rest of us. We can't go on like this. Far too many in politics and the media are still talking about climate breakdown as if it's a distant and remote threat. It's not. It's with us here and now, and we need fundamental and systemic change if we're going to fight it. Over 18? Interested in becoming involved in any aspect of drama, on stage or backstage? Want to find out more about Kirkintilloch players? Come along to the Turret Theatre, 9 East Side, Kirkintilloch, on Monday, August 15th at 7pm. Kirkintilloch Players is an amateur drama company but a Scottish charity, SC002574, regulated by the Scottish Charity Regulator, kirkintillochplayers.co.uk. Boiler shortages. Due to current and recent events, such as the pandemic and the ongoing energy crisis, the UK boiler industry and its supply chain have been impacted. Even during the summer, where demand is low, the supply of boilers has been particularly challenging. This means that come winter, the supply of gas boilers is likely to face disruption for the foreseeable future, particularly as demand surges in the colder months. In a recent survey conducted by Heathable, 62% of consumers felt responded that we are just shopping around for quotes right now. The industry's concern is that these customers may come unstuck. The domestic heating market is seasonal and the demand for gas boilers sharply increases in the cold winter months. As a result, it is expected that boiler supply issues will become much more evident as this year's winter approaches. This means that there is likely to be a shortage of stock and the availability of ranges and models will become restricted. Worcestershire boss said, The supply of components, mainly pumps, continues to challenge the boiler industry. Longer lead times may be unavoidable during the busy winter period. However, as a manufacturer, we are doing everything in our power to overcome this. Energy Awards The Scottish Green Energy Awards 
the UK's largest celebration of renewables, have opened for nominations. There are 11 categories, with submissions welcome from all renewable energy technologies, from wind, hydro and solar, to wave, low-carbon heat and more. Categories this year include the Best Innovation Award, Best Engagement Award and the Contribution to Skills Award. Claire Mack, Chief Executive of Scottish Renewables, said, Scotland's renewable energy industry is one of the country's great success stories and this is only set to rise with the increasing volume of project opportunities on the horizon. The Scottish Green Energy Awards allow us all to come together and honour the inspirational organisations, people and projects, making a real difference to the health, wealth and well-being of our country. Every year I am inspired by the talent, passion and innovation showcased by these, by those doing groundbreaking work which is driving real change. I am looking forward to industry uniting in person in December to raise a glass to celebrate the successes of the last 12 months as we continue to work towards our net zero ambition. The deadline for nominations is 5pm on Friday, September the 16th at www.scottishrenewables.com slash events. Low applications. Application numbers in the accountancy sector have reached concerning low levels, with recent data showing 33% decline in candidates between May 2022 and June 2022. That's according to the latest data from the network of job boards, Broadbean Technology. Broadbean statistics also reveal a 36% drop in the number of applicants year-on-year between June 2021 and June 2022. The decline is in fact hindering the sector's strength and stability, with reports of accounting firms being forced to turn away work due to a lack of staff, and nearly half of UK accountancy firms admitting to facing huge blows in their growth amid the skill shortages. Alex Forless, Managing Director at Broadbean Technology, said, The UK's skill crisis is continuing to be a focal issue for employers, as our data shows that these shortages are impacting almost every business across every sector. While there is an undeniable shortage of workers in blue-collar jobs, such as retail and logistics, it's actually the highly skilled candidate shortages in fields such as accountancy that are more of a concern for the UK's economic bounce back. Candidates for these positions take longer to train and are harder to find, putting the UK's status as an economic powerhouse at risk. Net Recovery Recycling Scheme A revolutionary recycling scheme that supports the retrieval of nets from harbours and beaches is being launched by Keep Britain Tidy. It will reduce waste and plastic pollution, preserve marine life and support local communities. Funded by the Scottish Power Foundation, the Ocean Recovery Project will be rolled out to harbours across Scotland to protect marine biodiversity and habitats, which are key in tackling the climate crisis. It will address the issue of lost or ghost fishing nets, which make up around 10% of the plastic waste in our oceans. Once lost, the nets continue to catch marine life, such as crabs, rays, fish, mammals, birds, seals, dolphins and even whales. Family Announcements Deaths Barnwell Callum Callum, aged 24, tragically passed away on July 17th, 2022. 
Funeral service will take place at Daldowie Crematorium at 11.45am on Friday, August 5th and thereafter to Old Isle Cemetery, arriving 1pm. A reception will follow at the Broadcraft Hotel, Kirkintilloch. All welcome, please wear something bright. Light body. Agnes. Nee Phillips. Peacefully at home on Saturday, July 23rd, 2022. Surrounded by her husband, George, of 65 years, and children, Erica, Janice, Rona, and Ian. A dearly beloved wife, mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother. She will be missed by everyone who knew her. Funeral service will take place on Tuesday, August 9th, at Daldowie Crematorium at 1pm followed by a service of thanksgiving at Lensley Union Parish Church at 2pm. Donations to Tear Fund in lieu of flowers. Thank you. William Bryson and family. Want to say a huge thank you to Tony Finlay and all the team who walked the West Highland Way raising funds for me to continue to get more physiotherapy and thank you to all who sponsored. Public Notices Planning Notices Eastern Bartonshire Council Public Notices Civic Government Brackets Scotland Act 1982 Application for Renewal of Second-Hand Vehicle Dealer Licence The undernoted has applied for the renewal of a second-hand vehicle dealer licence in terms of the above Act. Name and address of applicant William Reed Motor Engineers, LTD Day-to-day manager John Alexander Reed Premises 54 East Side, Kirkintilloch, G66 1QH. Days and hours of trading Monday to Sunday, 8.30 am till 5 pm. Any objections or representations in terms of paragraph 3 brackets 1 of Schedule 1 of the Act should be logged with the undernoted no later than 28 days from the publication date of the newspaper in which this advertisement appears. Deputy Chief Executive, Education, People and Business, Eastern Bartonshire Council, 12 Strathkelvin Place, Kirkintilloch, G66, 1TJ. Civic Government, Scotland Act, 1982 Application for Renewal of Second-Hand Dealer Licence The undernoted has applied for the renewal of his second-hand dealer licence in terms of the above Act. Name and address of applicant Smartphone Repairs UK Limited, 124A Kirkintilloch Road, Bishop Ricks G64 2AB Day-to-day manager 
Azaf Aziz Rahman, 195 Ochnern Road, Bishopriggs, G64 1NG. Premises Smartphone Repairs UK Limited, 124A Kirkintulloch Road, Bishopriggs, G64 2AB. Trading days and hours of business. Monday to Friday, 10am till 6pm. Saturday, 10am till 5pm. Goods. Mobile phones, iPads, laptops, PCs, all associated electronics. Any objections or representations in terms of paragraph 3 brackets 1 of Schedule 1 of the Act should be logged with the undernoted no later than 28 days from the publication date of the newspaper in which this advertisement appears. Deputy Chief Executive, Education, People and Business, Eastern Bartonshire Council, 12 Strathkelvin Place, Kirkintilloch, G66, 1TJ. Member Surgeries Councillors' Arrangements for Interviewing Residents Ward 7, Kirkintilloch East and North and Twicker Stuart MacDonald, 10th of August The Hub, William Patrick Library, Room 1 4pm till 4.30pm 10th of August 2022 Hearstain's Huts 4.45pm till 5.15pm. Between surgeries, counsellors can be contacted at the Members Support Unit on 0300-123-4510. Again, that's 0300-123-4510. Opening Day of the Season Kirkintilloch Rob Roy kicked off the West of Scotland Premier Division campaign with a 0-0 draw away to Hurlford. Rob Roy has had their first home game of the season on Saturday as they welcomed Peters Hill to Guy's Meadow. Peters Hill, for their part, lost 3-1 at home to Pollock as they endured a difficult start to life at the top flight. In the West of Scotland 4th Division, Rossville hosted BSC, running out 4-0 winners. Next up, Rossville are away to Harmony Row on Saturday. West Park United also enjoyed a winning start in the 4th Division with a 2-0 win away to Easterhouse. They will host Glenvale at Hunters Hill on Saturday. At Saracen Park, a late goal saw Ashfield lose 3-2 to Craig Mark, Bartonians, in the opening to the West of Scotland 2nd Division. They next travel to Muir Kirk on Saturday. Glasgow Perthshire also fell to defeat in the 2nd Division, losing 2-0 away to Glasgow United. Their second match is at home to Yoker Athletic on Saturday. The funeral of former Rob Roy player Tommy Craig took place yesterday, Tuesday. 
The halfback started his career with Rob Roy, before enjoying successful spells with Dumbarton and East Stirling. He ended his career by returning to Rob Roy, with whom he reached the final of the 1969 Scottish Junior Cup final. A club statement said, quote, The club was saddened to hear of the passing of a great servant to the club. We send our condolences to Tommy's family and friends. Tigers book their place in the final. Article written by Brian Yule. Glasgow booked its place in the final of the Jubilee League after a dominant win over rivals Edinburgh on Sunday. Edinburgh had triumphed at Armdale on Friday in a Scottish derby that saw three riders pull out, including Tigers number 1 Craig Cook, with injuries before a race had been completed. It left each side down to five riders, and it was the away side that ran out of steam first, as two five ones in the last two races for Edinburgh to seal a 50-40 win. This meant Glasgow needed a win at Berwick on Saturday to go into Sunday's match at home to Edinburgh with a chance of qualifying from their Jubilee League group. Despite the absence of Cook, the Tigers did the job 46-41, with double-figure hauls from Tom Brennan and Ben Basso, helping to secure the win. This set up a huge clash at Ashfield on Sunday to decide the winners of the Scottish group. Glasgow were three points behind Edinburgh, but with a better point difference and would top their section if they won by seven points or more. Tigers set their stall out from the start with a 5-1 from Guest, Richard Lawson and, and Dion Hume, setting the tone for the afternoon. The only dampener was an injury to Tigers skipper Ulrich Ostergaard, who withdrew after a fall in his first ride with a hand injury and could now face a spell on the sidelines. Brennan was unbeaten until a last place in Heat 13, but hailed another strong performance that finished 53-31, more than enough to top the group. He said, quote, Personally, I'm really gutted to miss out on that full maximum, but for the team to get this win, especially against Edinburgh, was really good. At home, we seem pretty unstoppable. Everyone clicks really well. We need to try clicking now away from home and try to put those performances together. Tigers will now face three other sides at Sheffield next month in the final of the Jubilee League. Next up for Glasgow is a visit from Birmingham on Friday to round off their programmed home meeting in the SGB Championship. That article written by Brian Yule. Early leader Robbie has to settle for third. Lindsay drivers Robbie and Andrew Scott competed in the East of Scotland Championship Final on Friday night at Cowdenbeth Racewall. There was a delay to the start of the meeting due to roadworks which delayed both drivers and spectators. Despite the sky darkening, it remained dry although oil on the track, which was to cause the drivers all sorts of problems. Andrew and Robbie were joined by Madison Gilmore 
from Colsyth in the ORCI mini stocks class. In the opening qualifying heats, Charlie Hardy won the first with Robbie Armit second and Robbie Scott third. But Andrew Scott and Gilmore weren't classified. In heat two, Armit won from Lewis Clark Burgoyne with Robbie Scott in fourth. But Andrew Scott spun and Gilmore wasn't classified. The final turned out to be a hard fought and fast race with Robbie Scott the early leader. Hardy and Armit were making their way through the field, but just after the half distance, they swapped places. With five laps remaining, Armit hit the front, but couldn't relax with Hardy running on his back bumper. In the end, Armit won from Hardy, and Robbie Scott with Andrew Scott's finishing ninth place. The racing returns to its usual Sunday evening slot and features the ORCI Stock Rods, ORCI Mini Stocks, Pro Stock Basics, Classic Hot Rods, and Micro F2s. The Pro Stock Basic drivers are racing for their Turner Trophy, although last year's winner Alan Burden is not able to defend. Please note that the meeting gets underway at the earlier time of 5.30pm. City snap up Irish forward. Glasgow City have signed Ireland forward Emily Whelan from Birmingham City. The 19-year-old moves to Peters Hill after appearing 16 times in the Women's Super League last season. Whelan said, quote, I am delighted to have signed with Glasgow City FC and excited to play alongside amazing players and work with incredible staff. I am really looking forward to this new adventure and I can't wait to get started. Head coach Aileen Gleeson added, Having worked with Emily at the Irish national team and watched her development within the professional game, I have no doubt she'll make an impact. Glasgow City kicks off their Scottish Women's Premier League 1 campaign at home to Spartans on Sunday. New NAP fixtures published. Scottish Women's Football has published the fixtures for its new National Academy programme. The NAP will see leagues at 14s and 16s level, kicking off on August 13th, and the 18s kicking off the following day. Contesting the 14s league are Celtic, Hamilton Ackies, Hearts, Hibernian, Hutchison Vale, Kilmarnock, Motherwell and Rangers. At 16s they are joined by Dundee East, Glasgow City, Spartans and Boroughmuir Thistle. The 18s league features Aberdeen Ladies, Borough Muir Thistle, Celtic, Forfar Farmington, Gart Cairn, Glasgow City, Hamilton Ackies, Hearts, Hibernian, Motherwell, Kilmarnock, Rangers and Spartans. To view the fixtures, visit www.scottwomensfootball, that's S-C-O-T-W-O-M-E-N-S, F-O-O-T-B-A-L-L dot com forward slash fixtures 
hyphen and hyphen results. That's F-I-X-T-U-R-E-S hyphen A-N-D hyphen R-E-S-U-L-T-S. Thank you for listening to this week's Kirk and Tell Herald podcast. Brought to you by Q and Review, print speaking to the blind. If you have any feedback, you're welcome to call us on 0141 772 3976. If you enjoyed this recording, feel free to subscribe to our channel.